The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to The Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews. Presented by IV Creative. Now. Here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, everyone. We are back for yet another edition of the Vault Podcast, Classic Music Reviews. Here on a lovely afternoon, once again, bringing you another review of a classic album that we have lined up today. Again, of course, you know me, I am B. Cox, here with my crew. And once again with my crew, I have, of course, to my left, my boy Damo here. And then, of course, to my right, we have D.E.T. Dave, both of them right, joining me again for another one of these classic album reviews and i think we have a very good one that we have lined up here today fellas of course wouldn't you agree yes sir so yeah so of course you know what our premise here on the show we do uh classic album reviews heading back 20 years 25 years and 30 years and if you're doing your math of course in 1999 like we always say that means that we're reviewing albums from and music from 1999 1994 and 1989 and we're heading right back to the year of 1999 once again this classic offering that we bring to you today, of course, is from the legendary Roots crew. And this is from their 1999 classic, Things Fall Apart, um, their most viable and successful, commercially successful album to date, released on February 23rd, 1999 on MCA Records. This is when it was released. We're, we're looking at it here, the first half of 1999. This was their, uh, also their fourth studio album that they recorded took place at the Electric Lady Studios in a magical period that we'll talk about, I'm sure, pretty sure in the future, of what happened at Electric Lady from 97, 98, all the way into 2000. That was uh, coinciding a recording that happened with other classic albums that happened during that time as well. Just an idea to give you an idea of what was also recorded during that time was Voodoo of D'Angelo, Erica Badu's Mama's Gun, and Commas Like Water for Chocolate. A lot of these things all, all happened. All classics. All, all during all the same classics. time period. So we talk about this, Things Fall Apart. This is their fourth album, The Legendary Roots Crew. Everybody knows them. I mean, they're now the house band on uh, The Late Show with Jimmy Fallon. Who would ever thought that would have happened about 20 years ago before they even released this album? Just taking a look at it, of course, runtime of 70 minutes and 32 seconds. Um, executive producers, of course, The Roots themselves. The other producers that you know that took place of this, of course, other than The Roots, 
You're looking at folks, of course, like Kamal Gray, Chaos, uh, Scott Storch, which a lot of people, I think at that point in time, probably only knew him as a member of The Roots at one point in time and then started to venture out himself. And I would even dare to say, uh, Dave, as you know, or even Dave Andamo, that this was the time when he started to really make his mark as a producer because he -hmm. produced on this album, but then also everybody know he did some production as well on Dr. Dre's 2001 yep. album, which is another mm-hmm. 99 album we're going to review yep. later on this year. Um, and he really started his ascent. And unfortunately for him, he also had a descent as well. But Massive. he was he was making his, his climb up to the top. And he had a, a lot of exceptional uh, selections here that we'll, we'll talk about in a second. But The Roots Fall Apart, um, their fourth studio album, 17 tracks, a few interludes, of course. You're going to get that with The Roots. But you know when you deal with The Roots, the music is always going to be key in a one on that so um original music yeah so those are and then of course we're missed by not even mentioning this but the late great jay dilla <laughs> james yancey of course producing a track on here of course with dilla you're always going to get the quality and a great track and the track that he produced on here is no exception to that of course where we were when the album came out we've talked about this before we were both still in high school at this point in time it came in a a, a really um uh, a critical time and hip hop itself, because at this point we have sort of transitioned into the the glitz and glam, the the flossy, you know, glamorous period of hip hop into heading into the new millennium. And now this is like where do the roots find themselves? So I'll go with first reaction, and I'll go ahead and start with you, Dave. Your first reaction when you heard this album for the very first time, and knowing that you you followed the the roots crew and have listened to their album before, but your reaction when you first heard this album to be completely honest uh you know how we did when we heard a classic album we wiped a tear from mm-hmm. uh, absolutely uh, <laughs> i shed quite a few tears listening to this album mm-hmm. um there wasn't when i first heard it it wasn't a miss there was no miss on this album so it, it's in high regard when it comes to me yeah really really high regard true now, Damo, I know that you hadn't, you know, listened to this probably as much as us, but you have, you did do your review that is prior to this, though, but your reaction listening to it, in addition to, I mean, to some of the other things you may have heard, um, you may have heard either leading up to this, some of the things that came afterwards, or even before. Well, I listened to it back then, mm-hmm. and I loved it then. I think it's still the test of time now. It's still a classic now. Mm-hmm. We haven't got that far yet. But mm-hmm. listening to it again just now, it just still feel the... <laughs> still banging. Yeah, still, still feel banging. the... Still a good album. Yeah. And so my first reaction when I heard this was... And I started listening to The Roots. My frame of reference started with Do You Want More? And the first thing that got me into The Roots when I started, when I started listening to them was the silent treatment video. It was in black and white on the jukebox. That was the first time that I'd ever heard a Roots track. And I wanted to hear more. So I looked up, do you want more? I got a lot more into the roots upon Illadelph Half-Life. Hanging around some of the older heads that I was around mm-hmm. at that point in time, I started listening to Illadelph Half-Life, which I thought was exceptional. Very good album. Um, but uh, that, that, that's where, where I was. So listening to this, though, I think I had gotten to the point where I was actually doing music at this point in time. I'd actually started producing. Yep. And then uh, having to be able to, when being in an actual in music classes and studying music theory and notes and composing, it made a lot more sense to me even then. Uh, after I listened to this album, I couldn't stop playing it. Same. And um, and now when I play it, I think I have a little bit more of that same 
same feeling, but we'll get into what I feel now a little bit later. Just to sort of talk about as far as the themes that are present from the album. And I'm going to I'm going to start, first of all, before we even get there, let's talk about like reading some of the articles that I've read. I think I read in um, a couple of articles, Pitchfork and also the Spin um, review that came out, a perspective on this about where the roots were when they released this album in 99. And surprisingly, while the roots were a respected hip hop band and a hip hop act and individually by himself, Black Thought, of course, one of the best lyricists of all time. I don't think anybody still underrated. I don't think anybody could ever dispute that. And if for some reason you don't know <laughs> just how skilled he is, just go over, pull up the, uh, the Funk Flex uh, uh, freestyle from 2017 where the man went, oh, ape I don't know. Shit. He went yeah, shit. Yeah, like about 10 minutes, 10 minutes plus with no breaks, no breaks in form, no us, no nothing. Yeah, Matt, just, he, Matt, he had Method Man had a hard time keeping up. And so, with well, yeah, well, there was one he did with Method Man, and then there was also on Swiss Sway, and then he did one on Funk Flex in 2017. Uh, that if you were listening out there and you did not hear that freestyle by Black Thought, you'll know exactly why. Coming after him, trying to keep up with him. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, and, like, and, got to try to get that Black no, Thought on here. Yes, you'll know why he's so highly regarded amongst the fans and also amongst his peers. But let's talk about where the roots were. And reading one of the albums, one of the articles, um, and talking about uh, when they were talking to Questlove and retrospect for the for this album, that the roots, while they were regarded very highly in the industry, commercially didn't do that very well. Didn't do very well. Do you want more? Bailey sold just under three hundred thousand. You know, um, leading up to this, um, Illadelph Half Life, while a great album as well. So didn't sell that well. None of them. They didn't fail. They didn't even chart uh, any singles. Well. They did try to single with what what they do, which was a very controversial song, and the video was controversial because of the because of the the message that they did with going against the you know the the P Diddy's and the and the flossy rap, basically making fun of the rap videos that they used to they used to, to to film back then. But for the most part, they didn't do very well commercially on the charts. They didn't chart very well. So at this point, they were at a point they were at a point in there in, in where they had to produce with this album. This album had to not only just be quality, but it had to do well commercially. So there were some things that they had to do here or as ridiculous as it sounds nowadays, they probably were in danger of their, of them getting dropped from the label, which is ridiculous thinking about that now, 20 years later, mm-hmm. that they could have actually been dropping their label if they, if they didn't do that well, you know? I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but that was, I mean, if you go through four, three out, al- four albums, and none of them fail to even go to go go gold, which is how those record labels make their money. Yeah, and with the and with the state of how the music business was back exactly. then, with MCA and Raucous and all those other guys, like mm-hmm. you could easily tell, you know, one small misstep. Yeah, gone. you're dropped exactly. So, talking about the themes present in the album, I want to start first of all with the intro track one, which is of course Act One, things fall apart. Now, they took with this um, samples from a lot of their previous songs and releases and interspersed them. And the main part of the intro, though, was a um, uh, clip from the movie Mo' Better Blues by Spike Lee, which starred um, Spike and Denzel Washington and also Wesley Snipes. And it was a a conversation between Bleak and Shadow, Bleak being Denzel Washington's uh, characters and then also Shadow, who was Wesley Wesley Snipes' character. And Bleak was talking to Shadow about you know, black people won't come out and support our art. You know, you'll see German, you'll see, you know, British, you'll see French. They'll all come out to come listen to us and we can't get our people to support our art. 
And it's amazing, you know, that if we had to depend on our own people to eat, that we would starve. And I think that's a microcosm based on where they were at that point in time is because the people love the roots and would love to go see them live, but they were not moving any units commercially and therefore weren't possibly getting their respect universally as they should have gotten. Mm -hmm. And in response to that, Shadow tells him that everything he's saying is bullshit. Complete bullshit. And he says, the reason why people don't listen to your music is because you grandiose motherfuckers don't play the music that they want to hear. If you play the music that they want to hear, then the people will come. Simple Simple as as that. And with that intro, to me, that sets the tone of this album completely fine. I mean, that, that sets the tone for this album. Plain and simple, if you play the music that they want, then the people will come. That's where you mm-hmm. are. And that's how you set the tone for this album. So we talk about that. The fact that it's art versus playing what they want. And they were able to me, I think, in this album to be able to um to be able to do both. To be able to give to convey their art as they best know how to do it, and to also to be able to give people the things that they want. They did that with actually a their biggest single in this in this album, which we all know there's a story behind that single even as well. So we'll, we'll sort of talk about, I guess, now the songs, the high points, of course, that you know. So I'll go to you, Dave. We'll start with your high points of this oh. album. I know there's plenty of them, but just oh, give us man. a few of them that you Gee, have. Whiz. Oh, Lord. Um, starting off with the song that uh, a lot of people know, uh, The Next Movement was dope. Mm-hmm. What I didn't realize is that Jazzy Jeff was on this. Mm-hmm. Had no idea. And that album came out in 99. Dynamite, y'all heard me playing that before. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the late, great JD. Mm-hmm. Uh, ain't saying nothing new. Dice Raw ripped it. Uh, Double Trouble. The, the end of that track, the end of that track when most is just going on like, zin, 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 zin. man, look, I he just most. Yeah. Uh, act two with Common. It's... Damn dog, I you you gonna have to come back to me when you, when I hit low low points because I just I don't see any I don't see all I see right now is high points. Right. I I don't I don't find a flaw on this album. There's no there's no except for one that I'll talk about later. So there's no shortage of them. No. Mm-mm. Damo, your high points sort of highlights that you liked when you listened to it. I love Act Two. Yeah. Of course, you know you gotta love you got me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And as he was talking about that, most deaf, I listened to that one like three times while we was over here going over. Yeah. And I had to go, I had to listen to most again yeah. to give it to him. I was like, oh, and then they going back and forth. Yeah. And they don't do that much like then now that they did then. But you, they just flowing back and forth for mm-hmm. each other. He, he taking off of his words. It's exactly. like, oh, yeah, they giving it in. And they two of the best lyricists yeah. known to yeah. man. Absolutely. So them two doing it is nothing. But you could just, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, absolutely. And to me, that going back and forth, I, I, I love the fact, like you said, it was sort of like it was almost like there wasn't a discontinuation. It was almost like right. every, every each verse to pick up was off of the other one's last, you like know, the last word. Yeah. Right? Doop, and yeah. He and he in. picked it, picked it right back up. And that was the most skillful thing about that song. And then the beat to me helped to complement their back and forth style on that one. Yeah. That that was that was really, really great that to hear them hear the two of them go back and forth on that beat. The the claps and the and the bass line and it kinda really lent towards being able to get the two of them to be able to showcase their skills going back and forth. I love the fact that he changed the beat up at the end. Yes. Uh, when he changed that beat when most started going is like going into his little his little spat, mm-hmm. I call it. Mm-hmm. The way uh Quest flipped that beat was yeah. just wow. 
Well, to me, my high points. Fantastic production. Yeah, no, fantastic across the board in this yeah. album. But to me, my, my high points are, to me, that really kind of grabbed me outside of that. The next movement was, yeah, but then Check. to me, step, step into the realm. Check. Step into the realm to me was really when it, it kind of, remember how I said about track four, the album's got to grab you? Well, the album kind of grabbed me, but at that point in time, it didn't just grab me. It grabbed me by the shoulder, stood me up and shook me, you know, because <laughs> right. you started just with Malik B. And Malik, you know, to me, uh, he's an underrated member of any of the Roots contributions up to this point because, of course, he's never going to be able to match the lyrical mastery of Black Thought, but he's a good change-up. He's, he's a good complement to what Thought does, and I thought he had one of his better offerings on this, but then with Thought, with that second, that second verse, and to me, what lends to this is the production, the fact that every six bars, you had the beat, beat fading out, and then at the end of that, that, you know, those eight bars, the beat came back in, and you heard that piano come in and that hard drum beat, and to me, that thought second verse, <laughs> I mean, my goodness. <laughs> wow. I mean, Man, my, he went yeah. in. He went in. Yeah. So bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at bet MGM. Simply download the bet MGM app and sign up using code champion 150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You know, that was really the best to me uh, about that one. Step into the realm. Of course, Dynamite. Um... You know, I liked without a doubt. Um, Shout out to Lady. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Double Trouble. Um, but to me, uh, and uh, Adrenaline, of course, and I'll get more into Adrenaline again uh, at this point in time. The last track, Act 4, which is the hidden track, which back then we were just talking about it when you had a CD. When you had the time counting backwards, you had a hidden track and you had to fast forward all the way through to get down to the very last hidden track. And you got that track that was on there. That was the last one that was on there. But those are really, really my highlights. And it's not really a, a, a low light on this album for me at least, but um, we'll start now. So I guess I'll start with Dave, your favorite song then versus now has that changed? And if it hasn't, if it hasn't cool, but if not, if it has changed, what was your favorite song then versus now? I would say my favorite song back then was the, the next movement. Okay. Uh, Cause I just liked everything coming together. But I would probably say right now my favorite song was uh, I think it's Double Trouble. Mm -hmm. I yeah, think um, that you. that Double Trouble joint. Rock. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> that Double Trouble joint rock. Like I said, uh, I don't find any failures on this album except for one. Yeah, Double Trouble with the way Tariq and Most was going back and forth, and the way Most took over the track at the end, and the beat flipping. That that song was flawless. Damo, what's your what, what about your favorite song then versus now? Um, you got me. Yeah. And Dagger Dave, Double Trouble. <laughs> yeah. I was going that's Double Trouble was already on my mind for favorite. I was like, mm -hmm. yeah. I, that's why I listened to it three times. Like, dang. Mm -hmm. I, did I miss this back then? 
But yeah, Double Trouble definitely my favorite now. My favorite song then probably was Step Into the Realm. My favorite song now is Adrenaline. And that mm-hmm. song grew on me after a while. One, first of all, it's one of the best offerings that Scott Storch produced on Ever. this album. But it's the efforts by everybody on this song that had a verse to step up. Thought, of course, leading things off. Malik B with the second verse. Dice Raw with the third verse. And then, of course, last but not least, the debut of Beanie Siegel on this track. That Beanie I know so many short. people outside of Philly had no idea who Beanie Siegel was. And you hear this guy, the very last verse on this track. And it's Beanie coming in hard like he is. You know, Broad Street Bully. Yep. Beans, Mac, you know, every little bit that you was going to get over the next few years with Beanie Siegel. And he stepped on the track with the legendary Roots crew on his on his debut, man. But that track, that piano, that piano loop and the drums and everything to me about that. Uh, you had the Rozelle voice on there with the with the scratches, you know, and. It was great verses and offerings by everybody. That, to me, is my favorite. And that, actually, I think, might be my favorite Roots track of all time. Wow. Yeah, and, oh, there's, yeah. and there's a lot out there, right? But to out. me, got a lot to I think from, that man. might be my favorite Roots track of all time is Adrenaline. I actually do. I think it is. So, uh, if we can, uh, just sort of to, um, to, 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 you know, to change gears a little bit, talking about the... Uh, the features on this album. And we talked about, of course, Dice Raw, which is, this is the, he was a fixture in a lot of the Roots early albums, this mm-hmm. being one of them. Um, Common, of course, is on Act Two, uh, The Love of My Life. Um, Most Def on Double Trouble and Beanie Siegel being on here as well. One of the uncredited ones that we don't see here on uh, Dynamite was Elo. Um, Elo, who was also a, a less known of the affiliate of the Roots, mm-hmm. who was on Dynamite, who I thought did an excellent job of trying to stay up and compliment and thought on Dynamite. And that was a great beat to sort of do it with. So I thought he fit in very well right there. But uh, it's, um, and then of course, Erica Badu. Now, so here's the story about You Got Me, as we talked and, about and, this, and we know. And you, you already know, I think yeah. I know exactly where you're going. Yeah. This is my biggest, this is my biggest problem with the album. So, so with this, this thing, You Got Me, and some of us may have already heard this, this story, but You Got Me was supposed to have been one of the, this track, and it was originally supposed to feature Joe Scott. Mm-hmm. However, Jill at that time was still a relative unknown outside of Philly. A lot of people didn't know who Joe Scott was, and the label wanted a better, a bigger name. And that bigger name that they got just happened to be Erica Badu. For commercial success. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, the original was recorded with Jill, but this was recorded with Erica Badu. Um, and of course, another feature, this also featured Eve as well. And this was Eve that a lot of people didn't know Eve, who Eve was. Eve of Destruction. She, was, um, she actually recorded, that was her on the female voice on Things Fall Apart, as many of us well know. But this song came out and this song was a smash because it was big. It was a, it was a love story. It was, uh, you know... Thought with the male voice, uh, Eve with the with the with the woman's voice, the lady's voice, and you had this sort of back and forth about this relationship between this man and this woman, and um, Erica's voice on the on the hook just just added and made the track complete. And then the end of the track with Questlove changing up the drum beat yeah. and you know going into double time, yeah, and um, yeah, you know. So and, and the thing is that in later uh, versions of the out, later versions of the songs when they perform it live when they've toured with Jill, Jill's actually sang the track live. The live, the live version. The live version the has has, the has live Jill. Version of the album has Jill, and I thought that was smart. Yeah, uh, for them to to put Jill on the live version, mm-hmm. probably because Erica wasn't available. But even still, 
Jill Jill adds a certain kind of sultriness to this track. Yeah. Especially when it's played live. It's just it's just so wonderful. Yeah. And, but you yeah. know, MCA I I gonna be like, you know, that's why, you know, I really think MCA should have just tried to give Jill a, a chance to put to be on the actual album. I understand he wanna sell records. Yeah. And that's everybody's thing, but I would have put Jill I'm like, okay, you know what? Jilly's from Philly. Yeah. Roots from Philly. Yeah. Put it all together and let's just do this. Eve was from Philly. Let's just put everybody together and make this an all Philly track for yeah, the album. But Erica but, you know. was booming then. Yeah. And the thing so, you got to yeah, think about yeah, at this point, got, I'm just saying. And you, and you're not trying to get dropped off your label right now. You yeah. need a hit. Yeah. You're going to go with somebody who's, bo- well, they're going to go with somebody that's booming. Yeah. So, I, I, I dig that. But I'm just saying, in hindsight, I'm like. In man. hindsight, we all know that it was. Could you lose either going with Erica or Jill? Absolutely not. No, no. But but back then you're dealing with okay, this is a chance to be somewhat of a hit versus this is more of a chance to be a guaranteed hit of one versus the other. Yeah. And now what's funny about this is the time period because we're talking about this is we're talking about this. This is 1999, mm. and a year later, if nobody knew who Jill Scott was, you will know. They now. knew who she was a year later. Who is Jill Scott? You gonna find out. And to me, uh, and I, you know, once we get into this next year, hopefully we can review these albums. To me, around the same period, you had three of the best neo soul albums ever released, and and Mama's, Mama's Gun, Gun by Gun. Erica Badu. Jill's first album is Who Was Jill Scott's Words and Sounds Volume One and Voodoo, and then um, Voodoo, Voodoo, of course, which was released earlier on in that year as well, which was part of these first uh, recording sessions, and then the third one, of, or the fourth one, to me, I think, was also was Music's debut album. I just want to say, I just want to say, you know, yeah. was another Philly artist that we're talking about, you know, uh, but that's the story sort of around that, around the features. But to me, the features I think played a big part in this album. Well, I mean, because Common had been on, uh, Common was actually on Illadelph Half Life with You and I versus War, and he came back with here oh, on Act Two. You know, Ooh. the the love of my life. Most Def, we've talked about Dice Raw. Um, very well picked features on this. So good job with the roots on getting this together, man. Everything sort of came together. So now we could sort of take it a step further. Songs that you slept on then versus that you appreciate more now. So I know we talked about your favorite song then versus now, but is there a song, Dave, that you listened to then that you slept on that you appreciate that more now that you listen to it 20 years later? You don't see us, but we see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I slept on that. Uh, I would also say uh, also slept on uh, was uh, Ain't Saying Nothing New. Yeah. And just so funny that Dice Raw happened to be on both of them joints. But yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I slept on both of those. Yeah. Ain't saying nothing new to me, I think, is one of the better produced album, produced tracks as well, because that had the beach that switched up too. Ain't Every eight bars or so. Yeah. That was dope to me. Damo, so I guess do you have a favorite song then versus now, as opposed not not then, but a song that you slept on then that listening to it now you appreciate it a lot more. Act four. Act four? Shh. <laughs> Act four. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I had to listen. Yeah, I backed up on Act Four again too to listen yeah. to what he was saying. And he was going, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Act Four is what I slept on then. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. But now I listen to, I was like, oh yeah, he in his bag on this one. Yeah, and that was a and that was a hidden track. Like that <laughs> yeah. was you thinking after you had heard the poem by Ursula. And by the way, that was the third offering that Ursula had done. Ursula Rucker, who did uh, the Act of Innoc- uh, the Innocence Lost poem that she did. On the which was supposed to have been at that well was listed on the track listing as the return to Innocence Laws was supposed to be the last one. This is the third poem, Ursula Rucker being a spoken word artist and a poet from Philly. What I will say is about this, 
uh, sort of to, 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 to wrap this up, my song that I slept on uh, then that I appreciate more now is definitely 100% Dundee. <laughs> I, I, I think to me, I kind of slept on that track. And then when I listened to it a little bit more and uh, hearing Rozell offering on that, I definitely appreciate that a little bit more. So if, if we could sort of, I guess, go into it, uh, guys, we all kind of agree across the board. There's no low lights on this album, right? Nope. Zero. Okay. So we got that out of the way. <laughs> cool. So now to get the ultimate test, um, one, I guess we'll get to this and it's pretty much almost a formality. We'll start across the room. Is this a bona fide classic, borderline classic, or just a classic in its time? And I'll, I'll start with you, Damo. Bona fide classic. Absolutely. Bona, certified, bona fide. Mm-hmm. Whatever fives we need. Exactly. We need. It's a classic still, now, forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, ditto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I ain't got nothing to say. I mean, you know, yeah. you already know, like, this is like. Bon- just, bon- just, just, yeah, bona fide five star classic. Yeah, bona fide classic. And to me, I'll get you guys' response on this. To me, this is their best album. Yep, definitely. This is the best album. Half Life a second, but yeah. uh, that- things fall apart. And after this, to me, yeah, I think uh, with the, I think they probably went a little bit too much rock and pop after this. And there, no phrenology. Game, you know, uh, uh, the tipping point, I had some things and the game theory, there were some things, but to me, it wasn't, they weren't, a, to me, this was their peak. This was them at their peak. And I think this launched them into getting where they are now. Now they're a household name everywhere. Now you see them every night, Monday through Saturday. I think it is now on the tonight show mm-hmm. and they're, they're making the big, the big bucks like they should be and getting the recognition that they, de- they deserve. Like you said, to me, I think this is second along with Philadelphia Half-Life. But there it is. Things fall apart 20 years. And also what we heard not too long ago is that um, the Roots are going to be uh, going to be releasing a 20 year perspective or a 20 year reissue of this album. It's going to be complete with essays from Black Thought and then also with Questlove and then also liner notes from Questlove, which are going to be some things that things that I'm going to look forward to and looking at this album being as though 20 years later to be able to see essays from both of them. And I think in, in retrospect, from an artist's perspective, that when they recorded uh, an album like this to be able to see their thoughts on this album now that it's aged 20 years and I think it's aged very well so there it is Roots Fall Apart of course listen to it wherever you want to listen to it where you, wherever you can get uh, get albums but for that we are going to sign out this is another issue of the Vault Classic Music Reviews of course I want to thank my crew Damo and DT Dave and of course make sure that you go to subscribe and download wherever you are able to get podcasts anywhere on the internet you're listening to The Vault. This is uh, for my other hosts, for Damo and also DT Dave. This is Beacox. We are signing out. As always, make sure that you love one another, take care of one another, and always believe in yourself. With that, we're saying peace. Peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8.